0: Welcome to this assembly of Blaine Baptist Church. It is good to have each of you here with us uh, this morning. Uh, we are looking forward to worshiping our God together, but before we do just a few announcements and prayer requests that I'll make mention of. Um, we have a church work day this Saturday, so from 930 to um until 3:30 or when when we get done before that I I doubt that will happen but uh 9:30 to 3:30 or any portion of time that you're available um we'll be raking leaves primarily uh so bring your rake and that will be a help to that will be a help to accomplishing a lot of work uh this Saturday so looking forward Uh, to having you with us if you're able. Um, Otherwise, pray for us that the weather will be nice and that we'll get much accomplished. Uh, Lunch is provided, and so come and uh, work to the glory of our God, uh, even as we care for the property that he's uh, given us. And then the uh, next day, so next Sunday, we'll have a quarterly business meeting in preparation for that. On Wednesday, we'll have the deacons uh, gathering together, Um, during the evening service Um, otherwise you can look at what is upcoming in terms of prayer requests um, so Milt uh, did uh, um, he was diagnosed with pneumonia not COVID-19 so that was encouraging Uh, but do pray for him that God would care in his um, uh, life and restore him even recovering from the pneumonia as you get older and older uh, any uh, any Hindrance and sickness and disease is um, possibly uh, devastating, and so pray for Milt that God would help him in recuperating. And then uh, pray also for Wendy. Uh, this is Brent's sister-in-law who has the thyroid cancer. She has uh, uh, surgery on Thursday, this Thursday, and pray for uh, her son David, who's teen a teen son, and taking it uh, hard. Might might uh, the Lord uh, help? them all to be trusting in him at this time and then uh praying for edith and Faye's brother um i mentioned his uh his need for his dentures to be working well um but also be praying for his salvation that god would work in his heart and, and bring him to himself and then continue to pray for pete in in Faye's building that god would help him with uh with uh, his physical maladies uh Ben and Samantha aren't here because uh, others aren't here because of children with uh, with flu or sickness. Um, But uh, Ben's parents uh, ask if we would pray for uh, Tom. Uh, Tom is an acquaintance of theirs who lives uh, near where they live. And he has COVID-19 and it's easily possible that he will not survive it. Um, He's not a believer. So uh, they're praying that God would be gracious and that God would restore him to health, even at this uh, most serious circumstance that he's in right now. So pray for Tom that God would uh, be strengthening and working in his life. Uh, He can do that if he desires. Uh, We're praying for First Baptist Church in Blooming Prairie for Pastor Fennell. Um, I don't believe that I've, if I've met him, I don't recall meeting him. So we'll pray for them that God would be uh, working to promote the gospel and his word across our state uh, through even the gathering of the saints uh, this day. be praying, continuing to pray for Cynthia and Rachel. Um, I I mentioned on Wednesday, uh, because of a COVID outbreak, uh, the church that Rachel was going to be going to, Uh, That did get canceled. So pray that uh, God would be kind as different missionaries are trying to raise support or going around that uh, he would allow as many meetings as possible, uh, at least from our earthly perspective, that is uh, a help to their circumstances. So pray for pray for them. I don't have other announcements or prayer requests. Our scripture memory is in the bulletin, the bottom of the first uh, page inside Mark 8 and verse 35, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. Um, Salvation is important, but more important than our personal salvation is the glory of God in his son and in the gospel. And might that perspective be uh, kept as we look to as we look to uh, serve our Lord Mark 8 and verse 35 whoever wishes to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it Mark 8 and verse 35 can we begin in prayer our habit is to look to the Lord together in prayer as we begin in worship let's uh, bow before our Lord. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have gathered us together. We trust to your care because of your character. You are a God who has shown us your love in your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent for the purpose of being sacrificed, dying, In our place. Lord you. Gave your son to us. If you would. Do that. Then how much more. Can we be assured that you care for us. Might you. Comfort us. Even just by the knowledge of your care. And then. Because of Jesus. We're able to come before you in prayer, not with apprehension, not with qualms or reservation because of our state and our status and yours, but with reverence we come boldly before the throne and we ask that you might be with those even whom we know are in need of your care. I think of um, the children who are sick. I think of Milt. I think of Tom. I think of uh, Wendy and Edith uh, and Faye's brother and Pete. Lord, all of them in very different circumstances. But might you strengthen and raise up physically? Might you keep us praying for them? And might you encourage them even physically bring healing in their bodies and circumstances. We pray, more importantly, that the things of this life would not be our chief concern, but that as we are concerned about our physical well-being We would be reminded of how much more important it is to be concerned about our spiritual state and our relationship with you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would get the glory as we entrust ourselves to you, as we submit ourselves to you, and as we listen to you this day. Might you use up us in praise and worship as we come before you now, we pray, Lord, for other churches and individuals who are gathering together this day and pray that you would strengthen them by your word and by the proclamation of what you have said. We pray for First Baptist in Blooming Prairie that you would strengthen Pastor Fennel and use him even this day in the ministry of the gospel. In the ministry of your word. We are but nothing, and we look to you as the one who controls every circumstance. We know that we do not always understand the course of your ordained path in our lives, and so we pray all the more that we might be given over to full-hearted and generous trust in you that our faith would be clear for we trust in the one true living God the creator God the one who sent his son for us and in whose son's name we pray amen Our habit is to read responsively through the Psalms, and we're reading the second page of the uh, bulletin, beginning in Psalm 18 and verse 13. The bolded portions are for the whole congregation to read. Uh, Psalm 18. Psalm 18.
1: 13. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. He He sent
0: out his arrows and scattered them, and and lightning flashes flashes in
1: abundance
0: and and routed them.
1: Then the channels of water appeared, and the foundations of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. He sent
0: from one eye, he took me, he drew me out of many waters.
1: He delivered me from my strong enemy, and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity,
0: but the Lord was my stay.
1: He brought me forth also into a broad place. He rescued me, because he delighted in me. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness.
0: According to the cleanness of my hands, he has recompensed
1: me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord, and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his ordinances were before me,
0: and I did not put away his statutes from me.
1: I was also blameless with him, and I kept myself from my iniquity.
0: Therefore the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his eyes.
1: With the kind you show yourself kind, with the blameless you show yourself blameless.
0: With With the pure you show yourself pure, and with the crooked you show yourself astute.
1: For you save an afflicted people, but haughty eyes you abase.
0: As we look to singing the praises of our God this morning, the theme that we're looking to is the theme of good works. Um, As you uh, are required to know by what the Bible teaches, good works will never get us to heaven. We will never have a right relationship with the Lord by good works. But once we have a sure relationship with the Lord... We are required to live in faithfulness, doing those works which he has commanded. And so I invite you to turn in the gray hymnal to number one, the morning prayer, the morning prayer in the gray hymnal. And we'll stand as we sing, awake my soul and with the sun, thy daily stage of duty run. Hymn number one in the gray, the smaller hymnal. And as we continue in song number 243 in the gray, and you may be seated, 243, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. 243 in the gray. Continue to devote ourselves to the Lord. The scripture reading this morning is taken from Titus 3 and verses 5 and following. Titus uh, chapter 3 and verse 5 and following.
2: Titus 3 5 through 8. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly, through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement, and concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. Let's pray. Our heavenly Father, first of all, we thank you for your salvation, for the regeneration uh, through your blood, through your resurrection. And it could be the, that could be the end of it. We could just be saved and and not not have to do anything else after that. We don't have to. We don't have to work for our salvation. We know that. But in gratitude and because it is your will, we are called to work for you after salvation and to do good works because that is what provides the gospel uh, with its ability to reach out to other people. We couldn't, we couldn't reach the lost, the unsaved for you without good works without showing them the power of of Christ to forgive our sin to take us away from sin and to lead us into good works but what does that mean it's often difficult to understand and to know your will to know exactly what work is the right thing to do what work is best sometimes we have choices two things we can do they both seem good to us which one is the best which one should we do so we pray for wisdom we pray for your for understanding we pray for you to open our eyes to see what you would have us to do what is your will i pray that we will be granted your wisdom granted your your spirit and and the leading the guiding of your spirit to guide us into the the right the best thing that we could possibly do to bring the most glory to you Pray that you'll give us all a good day here in your house. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Taking now the blue hymnal. Christ calls us to good works. Christ Sets an example for us and leads us into those good works. The blue hymnal 503 Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. 503 Savior, like a shepherd, lead us.
3: Like a shepherd, lead us. I've
0: for this morning's offering. We don't ask if you're visiting with us for you to put anything in the offering plate. But we're going to be listening to He Leadeth Me, hymn number 497 in the blue hymnal, if you'd like to follow along with the offertory. Let us look once more to our God. Let us bow. Lord, given all that you have have done for us. Bowing before you. Is the appropriate posture. That we should have. But even if it were only. All that you are. The perfection. The eternality. Of all that you are. Even if it were just that. Bowing before you. Would be most. Most required. Might we rejoice to do your will, to follow your leading. Might you get the glory as we seek to do that even this morning. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. times when we look at the good things that the Lord requires of us and blesses us to be doing, we are not content, but when we look to the Lord and find contentment in what he has instructed of us, then we truly find great blessing. 250 in the gray 250 in the gray may the mind of Christ my savior live in me from day to day let's have the ladies sing the second verse and the the men on the third ladies on the second and then men on the third may the mind of Christ my savior <coughs> forward to hymn number 262 soldiers of Christ arise we'll sing the third uh, verse a cappella and stand as we sing as you're able 262 uh, soldiers of Christ arise third verse a cappella <laughs> <So>, uh, <laughs>
3: Soldiers of Christ are alone and stand complete at last. Amen. You may be seated.
0: Take every virtue. In some senses we're looking to that theme uh, this morning even as we go to our time looking to the word. We've been looking um, Before the month of October to various of the uh, various of the Psalms and looking to the encouragement that they give us in the Christian life. And then uh, more recently, uh, we have been looking at the theme of missions because we've um, made it a point in the month of October to emphasize missions and so we've done that for the last uh, three weeks. We're beginning a new series uh, now today, but um, God has kindly blessed because uh, the the men counted the special offering that we took for missions, and as you'll recall, our goal was to raise. for missions, and it was over $5,000 that the Lord used for us. So to the praise of God, might we be faithful as a church in in missions? Uh, Might he get the glory as we continue to trust in him, even to work uh, through us? We're going to Hebrews and chapter 12 Hebrews in chapter 12, and the author to the Hebrews is writing to the Hebrews in the whole of the book, the various churches or church to which he is directing his writing. He's writing to them to remind them of the importance of not abandoning Christ. Christ is the sure foundation. Christ is the only eternal Foundation. And so in Hebrews, we find uh, our Savior uplifted and the importance of laying aside the Old Testament and the Old Testament law and clinging wholly to Christ, clinging wholly to our Lord and Messiah. So as we look to the book of Hebrews, we find consistently. The author encouraging the people of uh, uh, to which he is writing, the people of the churches there, he's encouraging them, uh, though you were Jews and have gone to Christ, have come to Christ, have turned to Christ, be careful not to go back to Judaism. Be careful to remain faithful in your service with Christ. Which is accompanied by clear instruction and command, especially as we come here to the end of the book of Hebrews. Chapter 12 has uh, been full of particular commands for the people of God. Uh, Strengthen the hands that are weak, verse 12. Pursue peace with all men, verse 14. See to it, verse 15, that no one comes short of the grace of God. Uh, all of these things, uh, we, we look to Christ, and because we are servants of Christ, we must listen to Christ. To, to be a, a servant of Christ and not listen to Christ is obviously and blatantly contradictory. We, we must live for Christ by listening to Christ. We must follow Christ by being faithful to his every command. But then we have this glorious, uh, not only commands that the author is giving to the, the, the Hebrews uh, in this book here, but he is also giving encouragement, encouragement. And in verses, we're going to pick up in verse 25 in just a moment reading, but in verses 18 through 24, there's a contrast that's laid out The between the contrast is between Mount Sinai and Mount Zion, Mount Sinai signifying the mountain where God came down and gave the law to Israel. He gave his commands and all of Israel had to had to remain back from the mountain, had to be aware of approaching the mountain except for Moses. All of Israel was to keep their distance. Mount Sinai, the awesome and fearful presence of God on display. In contrast to Mount Zion. Mount Zion is the place where Christ came, sacrificed himself, was dead, buried, and rose again so that we can join with him in our relationship through him to God. Mount Zion is about Christ giving us access to God. And so you have this great contrast in the Old Testament, fear and trepidation of coming near to God's presence. In the New Testament, because of Christ, the glory and joy and longing of all the saints in the free exercise of coming into God's presence through Christ. This then leads to another instruction which is uh, which is expanded in these last verses from verse twenty-five onward through verse twenty-nine. Expanded Uh, to give us clear instruction as to how we ought to come before our God, how we ought to approach our God. Let us take it up in verse 25. This is Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm I'm reading from verse 25. Uh, If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. Hebrews 12 and verse 25. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape who turns away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then, Mount Sinai, but now he has promised saying, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This expression yet once more denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things. So those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. The people of Israel, they at times refused him who is speaking. And I love how for the new testament saints the the language is updated as it were is speaking the lord is speaking through christ the lord is speaking through his word the law was given and the old testament saints in rejecting that law came to great sorrow those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth. The law of Moses, written on earthy tablets, tablets of stone, rejecting that law, they came into judgment. How much more if Christ has spoken by his own coming to earth, if Christ has spoken, how much more ought it to be true that we would not refuse him who is speaking? He warns from heaven this is divine authority. Since Christ, with divine authority, speaks to us, we had better listen. And this is the, this is the major theme Which permeates the whole of this paragraph then? Listen to Christ. Listen to God. Yet yet how quickly it's easy for us to not listen. To not listen. James reminds us that we ought not to come to the Word of God and look in the mirror and then walk away without changing anything. We need to be listening to Christ. God the Father spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, listen to Him. And so we as believers are called to listen to our Savior. We're called to listen to his word. We're called to obedience and submission before it. Might God help us to that very end. Let's bow and ask the Lord's help to that end. Let us pray. Lord, our willing, our willingness To obey and listen is sometimes faulty. We pray that you would secure and strengthen our intention and commitment to listening to you. But then even when our willingness is present, sometimes our strength in the carrying out of your commands is lacking Lord give us feet not just merely of clay but feet strengthened and directed by your Holy Spirit to walk in your paths to obey your word to follow you I pray that you would help us to Better follow you because of listening to what you have told us here. And we pray this in your blessed name. Amen. As we look to the Word of God this morning, I'd like to do uh, something, as it were, threefold. Uh, This is, as it were, a sermon in three parts. I'm going to first introduce our theme and then summarize Hebrews 12, the section that we're looking to, its major themes. And then, uh, Lord willing, thirdly, help us to see how Hebrews 12, even though it does not mention our theme, something uh, interesting here, uh, even though it does not mention our theme, how it's helpful to us in understanding our theme. Uh, And so it is with that that I'll begin by introducing us to our theme and the theme that we have for the next four uh, sermons, the next four Sundays, Lord willing, if Christ doesn't come back, we will, in the next three Sundays, be looking to the theme of modesty. The theme of modesty. And I think when you think of the theme of modesty, um, what I'd like to help us with here this morning is help us to understand that I'm not talking. Merely about clothing. And in particular, I'm not talking about clothing on ladies. When I'm talking about modesty, I'm speaking for all of us in terms of the modesty that is required of all of us. All of us are required to be modest. So then, what is modesty? What is modesty? This a word for a modesty is, in the uh, in the New Testament, a word which speaks of reverence and respect, a, a sense of shame, a sense of shame sometimes the word is used for, that which is unpretentious and unobtrusive. If something is characterized by those things, then it can rightly be said to be modest. So, for example... In the New Testament, we are called to modest speech. We we aren't called to a speech that declares us to be important, that directs others' thinking to ourselves. Rather, we're, we're called to respectful speech. Speech that is restrained. If I were going to summarize the word modest with one word, if we're going to use a one word definition, the definition I would use is the word restraint. What is modesty? Modesty is restraint. And then modesty, thus, because it's restraint, gets applied in all manner of aspects of, of human life. Modesty has application in, uh, in, in terms of, uh, speech, in terms of a strength and our physical strength. It has, uh, application in terms of money. Do we flaunt our money or are we thrifty with our money? There, there's a scale there in terms of modesty and immodesty, which we are called to as Christians. Or for example, eating and drinking. Gluttony would be the example of immodesty. If someone can can accuse you of eating like a pig that's immodest eating. Whereas using manners and etiquette and being constrained, restrain restricting yourself in terms of eating, that would be modest eating and drinking. In terms of clothing, you you can you can know right away Clothing that is ostentatious. Clothing that says. Look at me. And it doesn't just have to be skimpy. There's ways for it to say. Look at me without being skimpy. Right? Why is it that typically. You you won't find in a a Sunday morning. Worship service. You won't find bright. Construction cone orange. for, for, For a person's attire. Why? Because it's. Very immodest. Instead of saying, look to the Lord and let us come to the, together and focus on the Lord, what does bright construction, orange, uh, construction cone orange say? It says, focus on me. Pay attention to me. Modesty in terms of uh, sex, modesty in terms of our uh, our. Way that we uh, that we hold ourselves, the, the manner of our our countenance, uh, modesty in terms of all of these thinking, all of these ways of thinking and acting is very clear. So modesty, if we're going to give it a one-word definition, is the word restraint. If we're if we're going to give it an expanded definition, I think it's helpful to think of. Some kind of sense of shame, not shame in a bad, negative connotation, not shame in a pejorative connotation. Uh, That's how we typically think of shame. But there are some things that we are rightly to be ashamed of. Uh, For example, other Greek writers and other um, older writers will use either this Greek word or a related Latin word. And they'll they'll use it for parts of the body that deserve to be treated not as common, not as common. So if if you're treating um, if you're treating your hand, if you're treating the skin on your hand as common, that wouldn't necessarily be immodest. But if you treat other parts of your body as common, that would very clearly be immodest. So I think this, this idea of not treating something as common. So if someone wears orange, what does that say to everyone? That says in part, look at me. It also says, why aren't you doing this? Well, why don't you join in with me? Let's make this common. Right? This is how, this is how, uh, this is how fashions come in, right? One person starts doing something different, and everyone else starts joining in in that something different. And instead of of maintaining that that different thing is rather uncommon, the prevalent way of thinking becomes that that uncommon thing is common. The modest turned into the immodest. If we're going to be restrained in our lives, if we're not going to treat things as common that shouldn't be treated as common. I think that the uh, the other word that combines these two ideas and is helpful is the word discipline, the word discipline. In fact, the one time in the scripture where this uh, this word is clearly used in the New Testament in First Timothy, he speaks of. Modesty with for uh, with self-control and in an ordered circumstance, in a, in a circumstance where there's order. there There's some prescription as to what kind of circumstance it should be. And and that idea of self-control in, in terms of restraint, that helps us to, to see that, at least in the New Testament, uh, this word for modesty, this word should be thought of in terms of discipline. How, how are we doing at disciplining uh, ourselves in terms of our speech? If we're using our speech to get everyone to look at us, right? There's a French proverb along the lines of, um, it's good if you're, uh, it's good if you are witty and bad if everyone knows that you're clearly trying to be. Something along those lines. Um, if we are with our speech braggadocious, if our, with our speech we're, we're, we're uh, undisciplined, th- that will show. It will show. Might we seek to be those who in various and asundry aspects of life, various and various and different circumstances of life, we're acting with discipline. We're acting with self-control restraint. And so, I hope that uh, you'll see that we're not just talking about modesty in terms of clothing. Yes, we are called to modesty in terms of clothing. And what that means needs to be spelled out, and we'll, we'll look uh, in weeks ahead to a little bit of that. But, when we're talking about modesty in this, in this uh, brief sermon series, what I'd like to emphasize is that modesty is for everyone... And it is for everyone in terms of discipline, restraint, not making common which those things which should not be common. So then that leads us to the second part of our sermon. A summary of Hebrews 12 and these verses that we have just read. I've already made clear that the the point of the the paragraph, the major point of the paragraph, and the major obligation of the paragraph is that we listen to Jesus. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. And then there's some interesting things that are said in terms of what is uh, going to happen in the future. Verse 26. And his voice shook the earth then, Mount Sinai, the earth, the, the Mount Sinai itself shook, and the the author of the Hebrews continues on in this theme of the earth shaking. Okay, did you hear of the the uh, the earthquake? Um, was it in Italy just just a few days ago? Um, so, Turkey and Greece. Turkey and Greece. Okay, I was I knew it was your sorry uh, just recently and. Uh, What one person said, they, they were, uh, they were signing a paper and they thought they were having a panic attack until they looked around and saw anyone, everyone running crazy. When, when the earth shakes, that's significant. And God has said that the earth will shake on a global scale, yea, even a universal scale. We might say galactic scale. The earth will shake again. Now he has promised saying, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. God has promised that the heavens and earth will be dissolved in a burning heat. God has said that the sun and the moon will turn to blood. Now, uh, whether that's literally the sun and moon, the moon turning to hemoglobin and plasma and platelets, or whether that's not literally, but just imagery of the Lord distorting and rearranging all of the natural creation as we know it now. In either case, what God is saying that there is going to come a judgment and that judgment is going to wholly change All that we know in terms of the created earth and all that we know in terms of the created skies. But what is the promise? The promise is that this shaking of that which is created does not apply to that which is spiritual. Verse number Uh, Twenty-seven. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken. Those things which are created things. So that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. There is a sure foundation in the spiritual world that God has created. And if we will trust him then we can know the, the joy and the confidence of that sure foundation. To say that in other words, the eternal and sure promise of God's character is the basis for the internal and sure promise of God's promises. Or to say it a little less confusingly, the eternal and sure promise of God's character is the basis for the eternal and sure promise of God's word. Because God is eternally sure the promise of his character applies to that which he has said applies to that which he has told us will happen. One day the heavens and the earth will dissolve. uh, You do science experiments sometimes with kids And and it's amazing what you can do just with an eyedropper and one little drop of some particular chemical. You can make a glass which looks like it's black water. You can make it turn to clear. What happens? The one chemical dissolves into the glass of water. One day, we we look around at the stone and the mountains We look around at the sun and the moon and we think that they have great permanence. One day God will dissolve it. And what will be left? Well, God is going to refashion it into the new heavens and the new earth, which he promises us. But what will be left in the meantime is the eternal and sure Promise of God's spiritual life that He gives to, to us. The things which cannot be shaken will remain. Verse twenty eight. Therefore, since we have a kingdom, here here is a spiritual kingdom, not, not an earthly kingdom, like Egypt or Mesopotamia or Persia. Or Rome, not an earthly kingdom which can be shaken. Not an earthly kingdom like America, United States of America, that can be shaken. Are, are we sensing a little bit of shakingness to, to coin a word, in our current circumstance? I think there's a good deal of that. But, but though the kingdoms of this earth will fail, God's kingdom will never fail. Never fail. So put your trust in the God who will never fail. What should that look like in how we live? Verse uh, 28. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, it's a spiritual kingdom, so it can't be touched by physical concerns and cares and uh, shaking. Let us show gratitude to God. Let us praise the Lord. Let us worship the Lord. Let us exalt the name of Jesus Christ. Sing together in praise. Let us show gratitude by which we may offer, or the word is a word for worshiping and serving, by which we may Offer to God by which we may serve God, worship God with an acceptable service, with reverence and awe. There are three characteristics to this worship and serving of God. As as we bring ourselves by God's kind gift in Christ, as we bring ourselves to worship, worship we're supposed to worship in acceptable ways. That which is according to his will. We're supposed to worship in reverent ways. And this speaks to uh, ways that would show that we are not ostentatious. We are not thinking of ourselves above our station. God is the creator. We are the creature. Or, or or, to use the language that, that Jonathan Edwards used, we're, we're like the spider on a thread hanging over the great abyss of hell. We are nothing. And God has the power to take His sharp sword and cut off that thread. We stand before God and we come before him to, to worship in ways that he has prescribed with reverence, with, with the kind of fear that rightly looks to him as the one who, with, with whom we have to do, the one who will judge the living and the dead. We are to worship acceptably. With reverence and awe. That last word in verse uh, 28. That word "all" ref- is consistently used elsewhere, though, with the idea of fear. The, the idea of trepidation. The idea of, uh, if you want to put it in modern terminology, our knees shaking. If we, as those who are but nothing come into the presence of the great God who will judge all people those who follow him he will judge those who do not follow him he will judge those who say he actually exists he will judge those who say there is no God he doesn't exist he will judge God will judge all and so we ought to uh, we ought to come before him in the kind of worship that that recognizes who we are and who God is. Or to uh to to, to do something that the, the author of the Hebrews does here uh something of a quote of Deuteronomy four and verse twenty four, or something of a paraphrase of Deuteronomy four and verse twenty four, that's found in verse twenty nine. For our God is a consuming fire. Deuteronomy 4 and verse 24. The Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. He requires us to worship in particular ways. We need to worship in particular ways. He requires us to worship in reverence. We need to to worship with reverence. He, He requires us to worship according to His commands. We don't get to make up how we're going to worship. We worship as He prescribes, as He commands. So, if nothing else, might uh, Hebrews twelve and these, especially these last verses, might they be an encouragement to us? God is going to judge. We need to be those who are listening. God is going to judge, but His kingdom. Will remain we, we have no fear when that judgment comes, if we are gods, so the help or the summary of of Hebrews twelve and the major themes there I think uh, should be a blessing to us, even if we we don 't look any uh, longer at the theme of modesty, but let us look briefly to how. Uh, thirdly and lastly, to how Hebrews twelve here helps us to think about modesty even though it's not mentioned. Now, how can that work? Preacher, you're you're preaching something that's not in the Word of God? What is what is that about? Well, it's interesting because the word modesty is in some of the ancient uh manuscripts in this text. So the word for all is, is a a word that's spelled in a particular way in the Greek. And the Greek word for modesty adds two words, letters before that. And if you add two letters before that, it's very close to exactly the, the Greek word for modesty. And interestingly, the word and, which is chi in the Greek, alpha, yoda, the last, uh, the last two letters of chi, um, the word modesty starts with an alpha, and so if you take the last two letters of the of the chi and you reduplicate them, then then you have close to exactly the word for modesty, which is why, for example, the King James Bible was translated with Greek text that had the word for modesty in it. Unlike uh, what is probably uh, the best way of understanding the text of Scripture, not having the word for modesty, but but this word that means fear, trepidation. But my question: here's here's help for thinking about how Hebrews twelve uh, helps us with modesty. How is it? Why is it that some manuscripts could have the word? For modesty here. And the answer. Is that it is most appropriate. If you say. Worship the Lord. With. uh, With reverence. And modesty. You're saying exactly the kinds of sentiments. The kinds of ideas. That are being conveyed here. Right? We are creatures. We don't come braggadociously before god we don't come on our own merit we don't come saying i'm good god jesus himself said no one is good but god alone no man is good so we don't come saying i'm i'm a good person rather we come as sinners uh, we we look to christ we ask him to be the one who forgives us of our sin and trusting in him we come before the Lord as forgiven sinners, as sinners who have been transformed to be righteous. Not because we're able to do that. We're not able to do that. But Christ is able to do that and has done that. And so we come not on our own merit, not with pride, not with not with uh, 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 trumpets. Everyone look at how good I am. Rather, we come with reverence and modesty. Restraint. Discipline. Not making worship into a common thing. like, Like you could find this anywhere. Might the Lord help us to trust in Him. And thus, to be Modest. Might the Lord help us to trust in him and thus worship him according to his commands with contrition. The implication the the implication of Hebrews twelve and verse twenty-eight is that God is great and we are not. God is holy. And we are not. So, so how can we have our sins taken care of? How can we manage to come into God's presence since we're sinners? And I think even our response here can be a response which shows modesty. If we confess our sins. If we look to Christ and ask him to forgive us. Until we confess, I cannot control my sin. I'm not self-controlled, restrained in terms of sin by my own power. I cannot control my sin until we confess that and say that we need Christ to control me and to deal with my sin and forgive me. Until we say that, we can never be servants and followers of Jesus. Might we understand our need for modesty? Even in the big and eternal picture of things spiritual, we are worthy of judgment, but God has extended mercy in Christ. We are worthy of being shaken, but God has given us a sure foundation in Christ. We are unworthy of, to come before him and worship. God, but God has given us entrance in worship before the Lord. Through Christ. Might we rejoice in him. Let us bow in prayer. Lord, I thank you that you call us to worship. I thank you that you again and again make clear the commands and the instructions that you have for us. Surely this assumes and this presupposes that we're listening to your word and looking to it, trying to live our lives according to your commandments. I pray, Lord, that if any of us are struggling in that, that you might strengthen us. I pray if any here have not decided to live their life for Christ, to commit their life to Christ, not to seek their own life's preservation and thus lose their life but to lose themselves to give themselves over to Christ and the gospel and thus find eternal life I pray that if if there are any here who haven't decided to follow Christ that you would even this day bring them to the cross and show them the path of forgiveness for sins Might you bless us as we sing in dedication and commitment to you. We rejoice to do so in Christ's name. By whom we come in prayer. For Christ's praise. Whom we seek to uplift with our lips. Amen. In the blue hymnal, hymn number 59. It is appropriate to come into the praise of our God and King with exultation and joy, with anthems of glad praise. And so let us sing all creatures of our God and King. We'll sing the first and then the fourth and fifth verses. First, fourth, and fifth verses. All creatures of our God and King. I invite you to stand as we conclude in song. All creatures of our God and King.
3: All creatures of our God and King.
0: Go forth in humbleness, worship him in humbleness and modesty, rejoicing to serve and praise our God. You are dismissed. God bless.